Welcome to The Sandman Unlocked. This podcast invites you to read-alongs and deep dives of the original 76-issue comic, delving into each issue to explore the story, characters, allegories, myths, and more. We'll also cover the Netflix show with instant episode reactions and expanded lore analysis. My name is Ben Childers, and I'm one of the co-hosts for The Sandman Unlocked, and I'm here today with two other great co-host i'd like to introduce in the room with me first is sean dotson sean hi everyone and i'd also love to introduce our other co-host ashley mowers hey ashley hi on this podcast we're going to be delving in to all that is the sandman and walking you through issue analysis we're going to be doing tv episode reactions and we're just going to be having a lot of fun really immersing ourselves into this universe that neil gaiman and his team created almost 30 years ago now. So I think what we first like to do is really talk about, you know, who are we? Who, who are the three of us and what are we bringing to the podcast? And so I think what we can do is we can start with Ashley Mowers. Ashley, how'd you come to the Sandman? And what are you excited about? Oh man, my, my journey to the Sandman was so backdoor. It was so bizarre. Because growing up where I did, um, we didn't have a computer until I was like, 13 and our library was the only place you could go to get online anywhere um they also it was a very small library so the the sections of books we had the genres they had collected were minimal so the only book that i had encountered by neil gaiman that had his name on it at all was good omens at the time and so Mm, like i i came in through terry pratchett said oh okay this is another terry pratchett book and he's written with this guy don't know who he is, but then I like read about him and I was like, oh, Sandman sounds neat, but they didn't have comic books at our, at our library. So had no clue even where to get any, like this is a town that doesn't have stoplights still. So this was just not something I had access to. And, you know, reading a novel when you're a preteen high schooler, that's, that's a little, you know, you, it's a little more covert people aren't gonna like read over your shoulder they don't care they're just happy you're reading because you're a kid uh but a comic book like there are pictures and i was very shy and i was like i don't want people seeing what i'm reading um so when we did get a computer in our house what i would do is i would google (laughs) what sandman was and then try to piece it together based off of the panels that people had put online and tried to figure it out from there and i was like you know what wow I know that there's death involved. I know this guy named Dreams involved. And I kind of just like had to make a comic book of my own based off of what I could figure out from Google image search. And it wasn't until they had put a Barnes and Noble in Green Bay and then they had a comic book section. And, you know, that was when they still had the chairs and they encouraged you to like sit around and read and like never leave. Um, that I I didn't understand the concept of them being in order or anything because again first exposure to comic books the only comic book I ever owned was a Sonic the Hedgehog comic book thrown <laughs> to me by my cousin amazing so like I just grabbed one that said Sandman I was like all right it was cl- it was in the middle of everything so I was like I have no clue what's happening but I finally get like oh okay these go in order 
I understand now that these aren't just like singular pictures that I can piece together. This is actually a book. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's how I came to Sandman. And that then completely opened up my world. Yeah. That was kind of my first exposure. It was very bizarre. I can imagine. I can imagine. I was very confused. <laughs> but I got there in the end. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, Ashley. Yes. Ben here. My story is a lot simpler. My mom, and if you listen to any of our other podcasts, she gets called out a lot for a lot of things she did and being awesome. She collected comics, and I actually have a wall behind me that you can't see because it's an audio medium, uh, full of all of her comics, uh, including the original run of the, of the Sandman comics. And she collected these comics, and what Patrick, who is the producer... Hey, Patrick. Hey, Ben. Hey, everybody. One of the jobs that we were given in the summers is that we got a dime for every comic that we would put a board behind and put into a plastic sleeve and then tape closed. (laughs) And so that got us the first exposure to seeing all the comics. And then eventually, mom was pretty big on the comics are meant to be read and not just to stay behind plastic. So we could read them as long as we got them, took them out of the plastic, read them, and put them back in. You know, mom wasn't concerned that they were going to get smudged, all that kind of stuff, because that's that's part of what they are. Um, and part of the art of them is the fact that they are read. You know, they are touched and, and handled, and, and that and that adds to it. Uh, and so I I read it, you know, sometime between the ages of probably eleven. And 13 for the first time, I would say. And it was great because, you know, and at that point, you know, you're missing a lot of the allegory and a lot of the myth that is kind of happening. I definitely kind of skipped the Midsummer Nights, you know, um, uh, uh, issue. You weren't a big fan of Shakespeare at the time. Uh, exactly, exactly. You know, Sean had brought that one up earlier. That won an award and I skipped it, you know, so that tells you how smart I was, right? <laughs> So not the one to get the T.S. Eliot reference. No, no, I definitely, I that would have flown by me. I, I still wouldn't get the T.S. Eliot reference. So <laughs> that was my first kind of like foyer into it. it was really kind of flipping through, reading it. You know, I just thought Dream was super cool. Like I definitely wanted to get a tattoo of him like for forever, you know, anywhere. Because I just thought he was just like the coolest like looking character I'd ever seen. And then I have probably repurchased and reread The Sandman. I, I just read my fourth time, and I, I bought it digitally so I could uh, get through it while I was on vacation. Um, but I think I have I have an original set. I have the, the bound volumes. I have the giant bound volume, and then I have them digitally. So like all, like all great IP, you purchase it over and over again, uh, and we're just suckers for it. So, so yeah, that, that's, how I ca- that's how I came to it. And, uh, yeah, re- I'm really excited to just be you know, going through it uh, issue by issue. And um, we're going to pass it over to Sean. Sean, how did you come to The Sandman? Hey, first of all, shout out to your mom there. That is an awesome approach you know as a lifelong comic lover i really like to hear people treating them like actual books to be read right and not you know vehicles of speculation unless it's like imagination but i mean it's not an nft all right (laughs) read your comics people it is tangible it you can touch it and it's great that you can touch it i arrived at salmon well kind of like ashley actually because my first Neil Gaiman book was also Good Omens because that's the only mm. thing they had in the bookstore. Very nice, very nice. And I have not read Good Omens, so we're <laughs> we're peas in a pot over here, everybody. Yes. <laughs> I, I heard of Neil Gaiman by watching 
the Sci-Fi Channel on Saturday mornings, where they would have Harlan Ellison, legendary oh. sci-fi author Harlan Ellison, sit down and rant at the camera like once a week for like 15 minutes. And he talked about... Original podcaster. He's an original podcaster right there. Yes. He talked about Neverwhere, which was an early Neil Gaiman novel. Mm. And that just set off all the fireworks. So I went looking for that. Couldn't find it. Mm. Did find Good Omens. With Sandman itself, I'd heard about originally through Wizard Magazine. Mm. So for anyone Mm -hmm. who grew up reading comics in the 90s, you probably had a copy of Wizard Magazine somewhere in your house. They released a special edition book called The Dark Book. And it was all about villains and anti-heroes in comics. And they had a little section on Sandman and the Endless with little images from the book. One of them, I remember, was from issue four, I think. A panel with Lucifer and some of those funky Sam Keith demons. And Lucifer is this, you know, sort of radiant, beautiful angel with kind of an edge to him. And it was nothing like any image of evil that I'd seen before. And so reading that little plot um, and seeing that image is what made me decide to hunt down the books. But as a little kid, it took me probably about five to seven years Mm. to get every book at birthdays and Christmases. Yeah, you couldn't just stream things, kids. You couldn't just download (laughs) them from the internet when we were children. Yeah. So they were like different editions, different printings, all haphazard on my wall. It took a while, but it was a worthwhile journey. That's that's podcasting right there. That's that's podcasting in a nutshell. <sighs> oh yeah. Sean, that's awesome. Big time. And then without giving too much away, because I think we'll explore this as we get through the podcast, you really dove into comics. Would that be accurate? Yes. Okay. I really dove into comics. I used to bring a messenger bag with me to school with my entire set of books bagged and boarded like every day in grade school. And as I grew older, I developed an academic interest in the medium. So in undergrad and in grad school, I did a lot of writing on comics, a lot of research, studying, conference talks, things like that. Got to work with some really great comic scholars and comics creators. And so I'm really happy to have the chance to continue sharing my love of the medium with everyone. Sean, that was so great. Thanks for sharing. And so that's who we are. And then how did we come to this podcast? Well, for myself, uh, I've been podcasting for about a year and a half. I have a few other podcasts, a lot of other things going on, which you can kind of follow along with at Odd Conduit Media. But I'm just really excited to be here. I'll primarily be playing the role of hosts, kind of passing things back and forth between Ashley and Sean, uh, as they are experts. And I'm going to pass it over to Ashley so she can humble brag for a little bit about how awesome she is. Yes, I love these opportunities. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate it. Um, I've been podcasting for about five years now. 
on the MinMax podcast with my husband and our friend Kyle, and we talk about nerd culture and theology. My educational background, all of my degrees are in theology and, and Bible studies. So I'm like the sheltered kid in the host panel. Excellent. But I talked about how I got into Sandman. What really gave it staying power for me was this discussion of eschatology. And eschatology, for people who are unfamiliar, is just the, the study of last things, the study of end times. And you get that constantly over and over and over again in Sandman. And so really what I'm bringing to the podcast is just a kind of a, a scope on the religious subjects material that come up naturally throughout the series and just give a little background as to what some of those things mean. Just like Sean gave us background on T.S. Eliot, I'd be able to tell you why Cain and Abel are important. Amazing. And we can't wait to get all of that. Sean, how about you? You want to give us a little humble brag about uh, what you're bringing here? Well, sure. <laughs> I am a lifelong lover of comics, reader of comics, and talker and writer about comics. Most of my work has been done in an academic setting, particularly at the University of Chicago. I worked on doing? graphic narrative and visual culture, but I also have a lot of personal affection for Sandman. My dog's name is Calliope. <laughs> Named after <laughs> what kind of dog? She's a cocker spaniel mix. Oh my god! We'll, we'll put some pictures up on uh, on IG if Sean wants us to. <laughs> sure. So I don't care if he wants us to or not. I need that content. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. She loves to be. She loves the attention. So don't worry about. It. But I'll be here to provide sort of expertise on the medium itself, how it fits into the history and culture of comics. And I could probably help pry apart some of the literary references as well. Not as well versed on the theological stuff. So very happy to have <laughs> Ashley. With our powers combined. <laughs> yes, yes. But I can definitely talk about Elliot, Chesterton, Shakespeare, Ray Bradbury, all the folks who come up in, in the Sandman. You have so much to say and somehow this is your first podcast somehow. How is that possible? I don't know. I, uh, I, I, just, I felt so on the spot there. Uh, yes, it does feel like I've been leading toward this for a while. So I was very happy to get the invite and have a chance to share. A quick peek behind the curtain. I asked Sean about doing this and I kind of laid it all out and I took a few minutes while we were on like a walk, you know, giving him like the whole spiel. And I ended, you know, by making it really clear. I was like, I don't want an answer now. I want you to think about it, you know, you know, process it, kind of figure it out. He's like, I don't have to do any of that. I'm in. Just like right then. It was like, there was no discussion needed then. I've been preparing for this my entire life and we're ready to go. <laughs> now that we've introduced ourselves, let's talk about the Sandman. And for that, we're going to pass it over to Sean. Sean? So The Sandman was published originally in 76 monthly issues between 1988 and 1996. It was written entirely by Neil Gaiman and illustrated by a whole number of pencilers, inkers, colorists, letters. People will talk about more. But it's a staggering work of monumental importance in the comics world. And as we can see now, it's going to be an important television show. I guess it's most 
notable for initially its length. It's like 2,000 pages long. And it's one complete story with a beginning, middle, and an end. And at that time, in the world of comics, it was pretty revolutionary. We're talking about a medium that is traditionally printed on cheap newsprint, meant to read on the bus, and probably toss away. Of course, there was a big collector's market already at that point, but Sandman was part of a number of books coming out in particular in the 80s that really changed how people approached the medium, how people thought about it, and what level of literary importance they placed on it. So we're talking about a book that's won not only every award in the comics field, the Eisners, etc., but also the Hugo, the Stoker, and in one notable case, the World Fantasy Award. And that one actually caused a problem because they later changed the rules to make it so a comic book could not win the World Fantasy Award. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, that was for huh. the Midsummer Night's Dream issue in 93. Oh. Very cool. Very cool. That's awesome. Oh, seriously? Yes, definitely. A lot of firsts. I didn't know that fact about ch- changing the, the rules for awards because a comic book happened to break through. Uh, I kind of love that punk move. When you mentioned the art style as well, and I think the thing that always drew me to it was the mixed media elements of the cover and the art and filling in those gaps um, the of the frame between panels and such, just using every inch of space to saturate the page with stories. Just fascinating. I don't think you see it very frequently, at least not for that time, but you could correct me if I'm wrong. Oh no, you're absolutely right. And that's a really important point. Neil Gaiman and his cover artist and friend, Dave McKeon, actually had to fight a big battle to get those mixed media covers on there. Because prior to that, you had to put the main character in an action pose, front and center, on the book. And so this was really one of the first books where you didn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. Because they were trying to strike a different tone. They were trying to stand out by doing something that wouldn't just kind of fade into the mix of all the superhero books on the shelves. I think the books came out at a really critical period. You're coming out of the satanic panic, or you're really in the middle of it. And so you've, you see a lot of nihilism and just general cynicism about the world that's in the story and then how the Endless uh, both entertain themselves with and assist these people who are dealing with really tragic, heavy themes that were so prevalent then and frankly today. And so for how hard they pushed that tone in a time in which it might not have been received very well by many, I think is a really brave step forward. Yeah, absolutely. Neil and company weren't going for a super goth vibe. It just happened to fit that. And it represented yeah, it really that did. subculture really well. <laughs> because you had like Dream with his morose, Byronic, aloof disposition. <laughs> and then you had like perky, fun Death, you know, who wasn't like this like busty model-esque figure. Although she was sort of modeled out a model. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about that. <laughs> oh, we'll talk all about that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So, Sean, I couldn't help but notice that you've mentioned the name Neil Gaiman quite a bit here. Um, and I think it might do some good just to, to set the stage and kind of lay out, you know, who was Neil Gaiman at that moment is a lot different than who Neil Gaiman is now. You know, my guess is uh, most people that are somewhat even interested in in comics, are interested in fantasy, are interested in Norse mythology, probably have an idea of who Neil Gaiman was. But really here, this is a big moment in, in his life. And I didn't know if you uh, or Ashley wanted to kind of fill us in a bit more on who Neil Gaiman was. At the time when readers would be learning about Sandman for the first time through a really brilliant advertisement. It's got a close-up of Dream with an outstretched hand and a pile of Dream sand in it. And you can see that in the show notes. There's a link to it if you'd like to take a look. So you're opening up your issue of Teen Titans or whatever, and there's all these colorful costumes and action and melodrama. And then you come across this pale figure looming in shadow with the copy, I will show you terror in a handful of dust. Well, not even pale. I mean, he is stark white. Yeah. I mean, it's not not like he's just, you know, hung out in northern Sweden. (laughs) He is pure white, like, to be clear here. Like, (laughs) he looks somewhat humanoid, but definitely is not, is what I get looking at that. Mm -hmm. That's true. I was just trying to be polite. (laughs) (laughs) He would appreciate that, I feel like. (laughs) Yeah. So you have immediately this, maybe you pick up on the literary reference to... T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland. I will show you fear in a handful of dust. The Wasteland was still under copyright at this time. Oh, interesting. So that's probably why they edited it. Well, also, I would just, I find it fascinating that they're referencing The Wasteland in a comic book at all. Like, who, who would have noticed that, really? How many people reading comic books at that time would have been like, oh, T.S. Eliot, I'm so glad they made a reference to that. Yes. Maybe, maybe a few folks who had come to comics through Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, super literate, big ideas, or maybe through the Hernandez Brothers' Love and Rockets. Oh, sure. You know, really great punk rock Latino series, or maybe Art Spiegelman's Mouse, Mm. which was still in progress at that time. But for the most part, mm-hmm. in a regular DC book, this was planting a flag and saying, we're moving in a new direction. Mm-hmm. We're going to show you something you've never seen before. Yeah. Well, and right now, it, it's, it can be really difficult to you know, try and put yourself back to 40 years ago you know, when, th- when this was being done. Because right now, I mean, comics are the thing. Like, comics are culture at this moment. And, mm-hmm. you know, nerddom, in quotes, is culture. I mean, the two arguably biggest things right now are MCU shows and Stranger Things, which couldn't be more 80s nerd culture. Mm-hmm. But at this time, that was not the case. <laughs> that was not the, what comics were. They were not culture in this moment. Very true. So you look at this ad. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely really cool. And down in the lower right-hand corner, you see, written by Neil Gaiman, writer of Black Orchid, which I don't think had even come out at that point. Mm -mm. And then art by Sam Keith and Mike Drinkenberg. None of these people were anybody at this time. Sam Keith and Mike Drinkenberg, Dave McKeon, 
this was really their first major comic work. Neil Gaiman had, at that point, published a number of articles in men's magazines like Penthouse and Knave. He'd done a short independent comic called Violent Cases, where he met Dave McKeon originally. And then he had written a biography of Duran Duran. <laughs> the band Duran Duran. I still find that hilarious. Like, of all the things to write about. Yes, and he's very upfront about having done that for <laughs> money. And then also a short book of excerpts from sci-fi and fantasy novels and movies called Ghastly Beyond Belief. And that's the book that he sent to Alan Moore, who taught him how to write comic scripts. So that script that he wrote based on, you know, what he learned from Alan Moore was really his foot in the door at DC that got all of this started. Amazing. So this podcast has two distinct things going on. So the first thing that we're going to be doing is we're doing an issue by issue read along. So we're going to start with issue one. We're going to finish with episode 76. Those are going to come out approximately every two to three weeks, a new read along will happen. And what's going to be great about that, whether you're a first timer or you've read it four or five times, we're just going to be covering that issue. So we're not going to talk about kind of what happens in the future. We're not going to be doing any of that. So that way, if this is your first time going through, you can just enjoy the experience of having two really smart people and me talk to you about what happened in that issue, what's going on with the story, and all the allegory, all the myth, talking about Elliot, talking about, I mean, Sean and Ashley used at least 17 words that I have to look up after this. So, you know, it's going to get a bit nerdy, and we're going to have a lot of fun with it. And we're just really excited that you all are going to join us for the for the read-along. And then the other piece, if you didn't know, the Sandman is finally coming to the television. It is going to be on Netflix starting on August 5th. We're also going to cover in depth each television episode. So we really want to dive in and take our time watching it, rewatching it, seeing what's going on, be able to connect it into the larger Sandman universe. And so we'll be putting those out once the television show drops onto Netflix. So you can look forward to all of that in one podcast feed. And we will have our first issue read-along coming later in July, and we would love for you to read along with us. Thanks for tuning in to The Sandman Unlocked, an odd conduit media production. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sandman Unlocked. Join us on Discord as well. Thanks to our show producer, Patrick Childers, and to Lieutenant Headtrip for our theme and incidental music. If you'd like to support us directly, head over to our Patreon. You can follow Ashley on Twitter at D-E-E-D-E-E underscore K, and on Instagram and TikTok at Ashley Mowers. Find Sean on Twitter at Lon Dogson, and find Headtrip everywhere at LT Headtrip. You can get all of this info and more in the show notes. Make sure to follow and subscribe and review us wherever you listen. Until next time, and remember, never trust the storyteller, only trust the story.